Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada soccer calls off a match with Iran after widespread criticism. I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it wasn't a very good idea to invite the Iranian uh, soccer team here to Canada. The transport minister says he's detecting a positive shift in U.S. thinking when it comes to the tax incentives for electric vehicles. He related this to the war in Ukraine. Um, he said the way NATO members and allies have made common cause with each other in pushing back against Russia is putting what he called a new frame around how the U.S. deals with its allies. And there are no plans for a Canada-wide vaccine campaign as Quebec prepares to vaccinate close contacts of those diagnosed with monkeypox. Following discussions among all the chief medical office, officers of health in Canada, we have decided to take a targeted approach to vaccination and treatment. At this time, we do not see the need for a mass vaccination campaign, but this situation is under close and constant monitoring and may be adapted as and when the need arises. It's Friday, May 27th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. We're joined by Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. Good morning, Joanna. Good morning, Mark. Let's start by talking about this decision to cancel uh, what's called a friendly. We would, in North America, probably in most sports, call it an exhibition game. It's a friendly match between Canada and Iran that was planned for Vancouver, but had very quickly accumulated a lot of criticism, including from the victims of a plane that was shot down by Iran a couple of years ago. Um, and there were a lot of politicians weighing in on this, including the prime minister. So I don't think too many people will be surprised at the decision, but uh, it did take a while to get to this point. It did. So Canada Soccer did give way to this mounting criticism yesterday, and they, they canceled this this match, which was supposed to take place uh, June 5th in Vancouver. And, you know, there were, there were families of the victims killed on board Ukraine International Airlines Flight 752 in January 2020 that said, you know, we're not really friendly with Iran at all. So what are you doing here? Um, and, you know, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had said last week the game wasn't a very good idea. Um, yeah, a group representing the families of the victims had called for Canada soccer to cancel the game immediately. Ralph Goodale, who is now Canada's High Commissioner to the United Kingdom, had previously served as a special envoy to those families, and he had actually gone so far as to call the decision repugnant. And and so it's it's not just that this plane crashed outside Turin, it's that you know, evidence has pointed to the fact that it was, in fact, Iran's Revolutionary Guard that shot it down. Um, and then they, they tried to cover that up, if you remember. And then there's just been all sorts of stymieing of the investigation since, um, you know, talks breaking down over compensation, lots of just not cooperation by Iran. So not really giving anyone confidence that that they want to really open investigation and find justice for for these victims and, their, and these families. And, and this is an important story in Canada. You know, 55 Canadian citizens and 30 permanent residents were among the 176 people killed in that crash. And that also included dozens more who had connections to Canada and were on their way here because this, uh, this initial flight from Tehran to to Ukraine um, was a, a very popular sort of first leg of a journey that would eventually land in, in Toronto. So so I think people were really sort of raising a lot of eyebrows and, and the families in particular were, were quite, a, you know, expressing some pretty strong emotion about this decision. And so they, they did finally change course. Yeah. 
All right. Let's turn to uh, the transport minister commenting on what's happening in the United States about tax incentives for electric vehicles. Um, kind of an interesting story and an interesting perspective. And, and you know, maybe the rising price of gasoline. I know in Canada, there, there's evidence that the rising cost of gas is causing a lot of people to to consider electric vehicles. Um, if, if there is going to be change, it obviously has to happen not just in Canada, but globally and, and continentally here in North America. That's right. So the sort of key issue here was that President Biden's initial Build Back Better bill, that you know $2 trillion rebuild bill, infrastructure bill, had included up to American dollars in incentives, tax incentives, for certain electric vehicles that were built in the United States and made with union labor. And Ottawa had really feared it would be devastating for Canada's auto sector. We're talking about a big part of Canada's emissions reductions plan. We're talking about what it's counting on for the economy into the future, that it's hoping to revive the Rust Belt in Ontario with, with new plans for electric vehicles manufacturing. So sort of having a policy in the United States that would mean that Americans would have very good reason to to choose their made cars and not consider Canada part of this regional North American electric vehicle manufacturing plan would have, as I said, people fear be be uh, devastating for that industry. So last year, um, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin had refused to support that bill, um, and so the idea died, at, at least for, for the time being. Um, so, so Canada's Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra was in Washington earlier this week, and he told our Canadian press correspondent James McCartan that, that he's in fact detecting a, a positive shift in the U.S. thinking when it comes to the question of those tax incentives for electric vehicles. Um, he says he's sensing a change in the way the United States is looking at things, and and this, he related this to the war in Ukraine. Um, he said the way NATO members and allies have made common cause with each other in pushing back against Russia is putting what he called a new frame around how the U.S. deals with its allies. So the world, including the U.S., now better understands that trustworthy trading partners and reliable supply chains um, have long been taken for granted. And, you know, some, some view America... Um, as really meaning North America and a matter of regions competing against regions. So think about North America versus, you know, China, for example, rather than countries against specific countries. But I think, you know, the Canadian government realized you can't take for granted that American legislators, looking out reasonably for their own domestic interests, are intimately familiar with Canadian interests and the after effects of decisions like this. So um, there's really been a a push. There was a very strong push um, in the fall by Canadian cabinet ministers. And then Al Gabra's visit to Washington is sort of a part of another series of of cabinet ministers going down. We saw Defence Minister Anita Anand go down, Trade Minister Mary Ng go down as well um, to sort of promote Canada as, as really needing to be a part of America's plans for the future and electric vehicles uh, being being part of that. Yeah. All right. Finally, we have to talk about monkeypox, which is uh, the, the latest thing to uh, cause concern among Canadians uh, as we, you know, many people feel we're emerging from the, the COVID pandemic. And now there are cases of monkeypox in Canada. In Quebec, they are going to vaccinate people who have had contact with those affected by monkeypox. There, there are no plans to uh, have widespread vaccination in the country. But obviously, this is a situation that public health and government officials are monitoring very closely. 
That's right. And so Quebec will be the first Canadian province to launch this vaccination campaign of sorts um, against the monkeypox virus using a vaccine we already have on hand um, but haven't used routinely in decades, and that's a vaccine for smallpox. So monkeypox and smallpox come from the same family of viruses, and there is some evidence that a vaccine for smallpox also helps protect people against monkeypox. So the federal government actually maintains and and has for a long time a a small stockpile of smallpox vaccine doses in the event of a biological incident, you know, such as a lab leak or or potentially an act of warfare, biological warfare. And so they decided to give 1,000 doses of this vaccine to Quebec. They did stress this is not a mass vaccination campaign. campaign. Um, Quebec will give doses of the Invamune vaccine, which is made by a Danish biotech company called Bavarian Nordic, to people who've had close contact or who live with those who have presumed cases of disease. They're, they're not going to be giving this to people who already have active cases of monkeypox because then it will be too late to make a difference. So, um, you know, the, there were lots of questions um, in the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic in Canada about, about readiness, if you remember, by the public health agency. So, I think that, you know, while the risk is still low in Canada and this is not nearly as, as contagious as coronavirus, for example, I think there's a lot of people who are watching very carefully uh, public health in a way that maybe we weren't um, early in, in 2020. And, and so I think, uh, you know, them being seen to respond to it uh, quickly and, and think early on about about potentially using vaccines is, uh, is part of that decision yeah. making there. Yeah, obviously the context for anything like this has changed dramatically in the past two and a half years. So uh, no surprise. Yeah. All right, Joanna, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great weekend. Thanks, you too, Mark. That's Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. They have to understand that it's a question of survival. If we don't take action to protect French, it's a matter of time. Uh, It's... Quebec becomes a bilingual state. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Chris Selly asks if the Conservatives are finally comfortable criticizing Quebec's attacks on minority rights. Selly writes, The most interesting aspect about Wednesday's debate might well be a significant net positive. When it comes to Bill 21... The Quebec law barring teachers, police officers, and other civil servants in positions of authority from wearing religious symbols on the job, the gloves finally seem to have come off. It's far from clear what the modern Conservative Party of Canada stands for now, or what it will stand for after the next leader is chosen. But all the candidates seem to agree on the basic premise that freedom is better than the lack of it. In the Toronto Star, Rick Salutin asks if Doug Ford's ability to change accounts for his lead in the polls. He writes, There's something impressive about people who can change what seemed like unlikable but deeply rooted ideas and personal traits. When Doug Ford took office, he was obstinate, reckless, ignorant, and stupid. The voters gradually grasped who they'd installed, and he eventually grasped what they'd grasped. Then he began to really change. He stopped reflexively dumping on the federal government, worked with them on COVID, and didn't join right-wing choruses on the convoy. It seems this might be what's working in the polls. At the line, Ken Bozenkuhl argues Alberta isn't conservative. He writes, Jason Kenney made the most common mistake. He mistook Alberta's conservative disposition for conservative ideology. 
But Alberta is Canada's socialist paradise. Alberta, alone among Canadian provinces, owns a bank. Nowhere is hostility to private health care more advanced than in Alberta. Alberta spends more per person for public goods than anywhere else in the country. And Jason Kenney came to Alberta to change all of these things. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. To conclude Citizenship Week, Immigration Minister Sean Fraser will welcome 25 candidates at a special virtual citizenship ceremony. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, May 27th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.